Hi everyone, this is the Supported Sobriety Podcast. I'm Matt, and I'm in recovery from an addiction to pornography. And I'm Katie, and I've been married to Matt and supporting him in his addiction for four years. We created this podcast to bring hope, healing, and greater understanding to both men struggling with pornography addiction and women who support someone struggling with an addiction. I upload episodes for men with pornography addictions. And I upload episodes for the women who are supporting their loved one. We share real stories from members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but anyone is welcome to listen, and we believe everyone can benefit from finding peace through Jesus Christ. We hope that this podcast can bring you closer to Jesus Christ and help you on your journey of recovery and healing. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Supported Sobriety. Hi, everyone. On today's episode, I sit down with my good friend Jackson. I have been sponsoring Jackson now for several months, and I can tell you I have never learned more from anyone that I've sponsored, ever. Jackson is an outstanding guy. He has taught me so much in particular about being self-aware and self-correction. He is able to find when he has feelings that are not in line with his recovery and change them, and it's so impressive. And he's not perfect. He's still recovering. We all are, but he has taught me so much about that. And I'm excited to share this episode to kind of dig in a little bit deeper on how he does that and what he does to course correct, what he does to be self-aware. I think we have a great discussion and I'm really excited to share with you. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Jackson, welcome to the show. How's it going? Thank you. Glad to be here. (laughs) Good, good. So you just had a baby pretty recently. Is that right? Your wife had a baby? I did. Yeah, we just hit three weeks yesterday. So very excited. Wow. That's awesome. How's it been? Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of this weird balance between everything feels about the same. You know, I feel, I feel about the same. Our routine doesn't feel too different. And at the same time, like life feels completely different and I feel like I'm a completely different human being. So (laughs) trying to figure it out, but, um, it's been great so far. Yeah, that's awesome. And tell us about your baby. Is it a boy or a girl? Yep. It's a little girl. Uh, we didn't find out the gender until she was born. So it was kind of a big, exciting surprise for us in the delivery room. Wow. That's so interesting. Um, yeah, my wife and I always talked about that, but we we've never been like, uh, courageous enough to do that. So that's, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It was really fun. And you, um, what did you study and what are, what do you do for work now? Yeah, so I studied at UVU. I studied a program called interaction design. So it's Mm -hmm. designing how people interact with technology to benefit both users and businesses. Um, And now I work for a local company here in Provo um, doing user experience design. So I, I work on their app, trying to make it more usable for users and also to help increase revenue for the company. Nice. And uh, is is that where you'd like to stay or do you see yourself? I mean, what's kind of the, what's the plan for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I, uh, I really, really enjoy what I do. I think I would love to stay at this company at least, um, you know, three or four more years, maybe even longer. It's a great company. Um, but I think I'll be in this uh, field of working on digital products probably for the rest of my career. That's awesome. And tell us about, do you have any like hobbies or, or things that you enjoy to do? Um, yeah, I, uh, I really like um, space, huge space fans. So I like 
learning about space and watching live streams of rocket launches and <laughs> just learning anything I can about space. Um, I really enjoy video games here and there when I get time for them. Um, and uh, I like lots of outdoor activities. So I really like lacrosse is one of my favorite sports. I like rock climbing, um, anything with the board, wakeboarding, surfboard or uh, snowboarding, anything like that. So cool. Um, space, man. I love space, uh, but I'm, I'm kind of not, not an expert on it. Uh, do you ever listen to like any space podcasts or any like books about that or anything? <laughs> no, um, I, I definitely would not consider myself an expert either. I, uh, I read a lot of fiction about space. So if you ever want, um, you know, sci-fi fantasy recommendations for books, I'm, I'm your guy, but, um, no, I'm definitely not an expert or listen to podcasts or read books or anything like that. What's your number one uh, sci-fi book recommendation? Oh, man. Um, I thought The Martian was actually a really, really well-written book. Um, I enjoyed that one a lot. That one's definitely in my top 10 books. Cool, man. That's that the one that like... they made a movie of. So that is what they made the movie out of? Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure they wrote the book first. By pretty yeah. sure, I'm 100% sure. But <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a good book. Cool. That's awesome. Well, it's good to kind of get get to know you a little bit. So I think we'll kind of shift gears here just a little bit and talk about your addiction. So you struggle with, I guess, pornography and masturbation, like a lot of the people on the show. And I would just love to kind of hear a little bit about where that started and just kind of your journey of sort of recovery and addiction and, you know, what's gotten you to where you are now. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, my, my exposure to um, kind of this, uh, this part of the world uh, happened when I was really young. Um, when I was like seven or so, I had um, a close friend who was my age, um, like expose herself to me when we were hanging out one time. And, and I was only seven, so I didn't fully realize what was happening. But I think from that point, um, I began developing kind of a curiosity and an interest for these types of things. So uh, around age eight or nine, I started masturbating, not entirely knowing what I was doing, but um, then at, at 11, I ended up stumbling across pornography uh, on just a household computer my parents had in our basement. And uh, from that point, it just snowballed. And for the next four or five years, um, I really struggled with pornography and masturbation solely on my own. And it was kind of all encompassing and I really don't remember a ton from those years even <laughs> just because it felt like uh, my whole life was pretty wrapped up in my addiction. Uh, but when I was 15 or so, I ended up um, telling my religious leader um, at the time and, and he advised that I talk to my parents about it. So I um, began reaching out to people at that point. And um, over the next couple of years, I, I ended up meeting with a, an addiction recovery counselor who helped me um, find some sobriety for a couple years. And I really have been off and on uh, here and there throughout my entire life. It, it hasn't been constant addiction, but um, I definitely like constantly relapse. And then um, got married and uh, I had been open and honest with my wife about my addiction. And for about the first year of our marriage, um, I, I tried to be super honest and told her every time I was struggling and it was super painful. Those, those, that first year of marriage was really, really painful. 
um, for both my wife and I. I just every time I had a relapse, it was just so destructive and painful for the two of us. And uh, I ended up eventually finding sobriety for about a year, um, just on sheer willpower. I, I wasn't doing a program or anything. I had kind of just told myself that I was done and decided I was done. And, you know, I, I gritted through a whole year without any relapses. And then I, I had a relapse finally. And at that point, I was so afraid of, you know, going back to the, uh, the pain that I felt during those for that first year of marriage with my wife. And I was so afraid of, of what it would do to my wife that I decided to lie and I, and I hid it from her. So for about a year after that, I kind of just lived in a bit of a lie where I'd tell my wife I was doing fine and secretly I was really, really struggling. Um, you know, it, it, it started with once every couple months I'd have a slip, but it quickly escalated to at the end of that year, you know, I was lapsing a couple times every day and just really, really struggling. And about eight months ago is when I finally um, came out and told my wife and confessed everything to her and just was completely open. And, you know, around that time we had found out that we were having a kid. And so um, I just felt a lot of desire at that moment that I really needed to turn my life around. And, and I was kind of humbled to the point where I was willing to do anything. So yeah, that must've been really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That was really, really hard. That was a really dramatic and painful <laughs> couple months there. Um, which looking back, it's, it's a little bit easier to look at that time and appreciate it for what it was, um, you know, and helping us learn and grow and develop. But at the time that was really, really, really painful and uncomfortable to go through. And how did your wife take it when you, when you told her? So how long had it been that you were um, lying to her? Yeah. So I, I had been lying for about a year. So in her head, she thought that I had two years of sobriety, um, but I had collapsed yeah. a year earlier. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. It was really, really painful for her. Devastating. Absolutely devastating. Yeah. She, she already had been like so tired of dealing with the addiction. And I think that, that kind of just broke her. And for, for a couple months, our marriage was really, really strained. Yeah. That's so interesting. That's, it's a very similar story to, to my own. And uh, mostly in that, you know, the first year of my marriage, um, I was completely dishonest with my wife and about my addiction. And then the second year, my wife thought I was honest about my addiction. And for most of the year I was lying and, you know, telling her well, and she ended up asking me, but um, yeah, coming out both times um, and and telling her that I had been lying, um, yeah, it was just so painful. And I've, you know, we've come a long way since then, but definitely I've just learned from that that it's always the best case to just be honest. It's it's hard in the moment, but it, it definitely leads to the best outcome. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure we'll come back to that later in the conversation, but I think, yeah, honesty is so, so, so key in recovery. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so um, what happened after you told your wife and, and she was pregnant and um, how did, um, I mean, what, what happened over the next few months? Yeah, so I, I told her and um, at that moment, I, I just made the decision that I was willing to do anything and everything to recover and, uh, and, and really leave my addiction behind me. So I, uh, 
I reached out to um, our bishop and uh, began meeting with him uh, to try to, um, you know, kind of reconcile the spiritual side of things. And um, I, I started the addiction recovery program immediately. He, uh, he suggested that I look into that again. And um, it had been something that I had thought about doing in the past, but I think I had always told myself that I could do it on my own, that I didn't need some kind of program to help me. But, you know, at that time, I realized that I was completely out of control and incapable of overcoming my addiction by myself through my own efforts. So, um, yeah, started the addiction recovery program um, and really just changed completely like my routine and um, what I was doing in my life. So for me, it was a huge transformation. And for my wife, it was just absolute devastation. And it was um, a lot of months of trying to balance those two, you know, me trying to put every ounce of my effort into recovery um, in these different aspects that I was um, delving into. And then, you know, also trying to do everything I could to keep my marriage intact and help my wife, you know, help make amends to my wife. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, and, how has your marriage been since then? Um, Incredible. Yeah. Stronger than ever. I feel like it was one of the most challenging experiences either one of us has ever faced. Um, But I feel closer to my wife now than I ever have. And I feel more confident in our marriage than I ever have. And um, I know she still has so much healing to be done. And there's so much that I need to do to continue making amends to her. Um, but I feel like we are on a trajectory now heading in a direction that's hopeful to both of us. And, and it felt like for a time, like things would take a really, really long time for my wife to even begin, you know, wanting to connect with me again, or wanting to solve things with me, you know, for a while there, she really just felt checked out and I don't blame her at all, but it it happened faster than I thought that she was willing to you know, turn back and, uh, and work with me in, uh, healing our marriage. And that's been really, um, enjoyable and and good for the two of us. Yeah. That's so cool. I think that teaches me a lot of a weakness becoming a strength. And, um, I definitely have seen that in my marriage where we've had to go through really hard things, but because I have chosen now to be honest and because both of us are just fully committed, I just feel like our marriage has grown so much and it matured so much. And I just, I I don't think that everyone needs to go through necessarily addiction, but I do think that someone who is struggling with addiction right now, or someone who is lying to their wife or is, you know, in a place that it's really hard should know that, you know, they can come out of this and come out of this stronger and better and and recovered and fully healed um, in so many ways. And I, I, I wish I would have really known that you know, while I was going through it. And I think I, you know, in the back of my mind knew that a little bit, but I've definitely experienced the same thing of just kind of like a, a growth in our marriage, um, like uh, progression and, and uh, stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, that reminds me of one time I was talking with my religious leader, our bishop, and, uh, you know, I was, I was telling him that I'm, you know, where I am in my recovery, this is maybe a couple months ago, I was telling him where I am in my recovery, like I'm trying to be honest with my wife about everything, absolutely everything, like even even down to just if I'm feeling tempted that day. And I noticed that it was it was really hard 
you know, to be that honest and that open um, and that aware with my wife. Um, but he, he said to me like, Hey, I get the feeling that um, though this is like a, a harder route to take in the end, it's going to lead to better healing than it would if I was less honest with my wife. And, um, and, I, and I think that's held true. You know, like there are some ways that are easier routes, like being slightly less honest, you know, that's, that's going to be less painful initially, but I think in the long run, like if you want lasting recovery and if you want true healing in your marriage, like absolute honesty is critical. Yeah. What have you done to, because understanding that is, is one thing, but what have you done to like actually do that in practice in terms of like, what, like, can you point to anything or any specific event or a decision where um, you finally were just able to be honest? Yeah. Two, two big ones come to mind. When we first began doing the 12 step program, um, my wife decided to come up with a list of boundaries that she had um, and that actually has ended up being really helpful. Um, you know, we, we sat down together and came up with a list of things that boundaries we didn't want to cross. Like, you know, if I, if I looked up pornography, that obviously was a boundary for her and would write you know, consequences for that. And then um, at every night in the evening, when we'd um, sit down just before bed, we would ask each other if we had crossed any boundaries. And I think having that consistent accountability each night with my wife, you know, asking if I had crossed any of the boundaries was uh, really helpful for me. It provided me an opportunity every single night to be honest with her. Um, but alas, it was, it was uncomfortable and it was hard. And I think five months into doing it that way, um, I, I began to be slightly less honest about if I was feeling tempted that day or, you know, if I was just struggling emotionally. And so I think the, the second thing um, that has really helped me develop that kind of honesty with my wife is uh, getting a sponsor. And, you know, having you as a resource, as my sponsor to, to just every single night text and be accountable to, um, you know, it, it kind of kickstarts that momentum of like, oh, I've already told my sponsor and I've already been honest to him. Like I can, I can do this. I can be honest to my wife. It's the best thing to do. So, you know, some days it happens in the reverse. You know, there's a lot of days where I tell my wife things before I text you at night, but on those, on those days where it's particularly difficult, just being able to text my sponsor first and be accountable to them helps me get that motivation to be honest with my wife. Yeah. I'm a huge advocate of sponsors. I think for me, because I had a similar experience to you where for a long time, my wife was sort of my support person, my only support person. And what I just found was that, um, A, I think the biggest thing is just that my wife and I are extremely emotionally attached and connected. And it makes it really difficult for me to tell her hard things, um, especially about relapses um, and, and not even relapses, but, you know, like close calls or um, you know, times when I was tempted or maybe I, I lingered on, on something for too long and I, I just feel like I need to tell someone and telling my wife those things has always been really hard for me. And I just feel like having an independent person who has gone through it helped me so much to just be able to really quickly text them after a relapse or after something happened and, and know that they're not going to judge me and this isn't going to negatively impact my relationship. And then for me, working with that person to then tell my wife. And like you, Jackson, I, I usually tell my wife things first these days. 
um, just because where we're at and I, I feel comfortable, more comfortable with that. And also I'm not really having uh, relapses uh, anymore. But um, I just think having a sponsor is, is one of the best things that someone can do at, at any stage in recovery. Um, so that's, that's great. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree with you there. You mentioned that you began to be like slightly less honest. And I think that that is something that, I mean, I've done as well. And I, I think for me, it's sort of becoming complacent. Was it like complacency for you or was it that things were getting hard or what kind of, you know, led you to be less honest with your wife? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of my addiction is fueled by avoidance, you know, avoiding negative emotions, avoiding hard feelings. Um, and I think those moments where I felt like I really did not want to tell my wife what that was motivated by an avoidance of, of pain, you know, like telling your wife, that you've been tempted to um, view pornography or even just view suggestive content, you know, telling that to somebody who you're supposed to be loyal to is, is obviously very painful for them. Um, so it was an avoidance of that, of that pain, both for my wife and the pain it would cause me in our marriage. So that more than anything was the motivating factor for why I began to not want to tell her is just, I just wanted to avoid that pain. Um, but what I've found is avoiding that pain, um, you know, it, it leads from, oh, today I was tempted and I didn't want to tell my wife to tomorrow I had a relapse and now I like really don't want to tell my wife, you know, versus feeling tempted and telling her and then having that be, that be it and us progressing and becoming uh, even better in the future. Yeah, I definitely talked about this um, on the show previously, but I felt like going through addiction recovery and specifically like when I really chose to be honest about my addiction just brought out so much of my weaknesses. And I just, it, it just felt like every day I was getting dragged through these like difficult things where like I would mess up and then I had to tell my wife and it was so hard. And I was just like, why am I doing this? Um, and I don't know if that's how it was for you too, but I, I just have felt since then um, so grateful that I went through that. And now when, when I do go through hard things, it's, it's a lot easier now. Uh, and not only that, everything is just so much better. I've been able to get my addiction under control and um, my wife, I feel like, trusts me in a, in a much deeper way now. Yeah, I totally agree. Like uh, my wife knows that if she is hearing something, you know, if, if I'm telling her that I'm struggling, then she knows. But if I'm not telling her, she's, I feel like she's beginning to develop that trust that, oh, if I'm not hearing anything that I know everything's okay. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, is there anything else that you wanted to tell from your kind of journey, your experience of like recovery and, and addiction? Yeah, I guess, I guess there's one more thing that um, kind of has been on my mind and that, and that's been a huge um, lesson I've learned um, that was really a, a, a big turning point for me in my addiction was uh, I, I mentioned previously that I had found a year of sobriety just out of sheer will. Um, and when I, when I had that year, addiction recovery for me was all about result. You know, it was all about the result of sobriety. And so I think I did everything that I could and I put so much effort into obtaining sobriety. And once I found sobriety, I began to see what I could, 
you know, what efforts and what work I could taper off um, that I, that I could still maintain sobriety, you know, so I, I began testing my limits and seeing, okay, what is the least amount of effort I can put in and still be able to maintain sobriety because it was all about that result of sobriety. And um, this time having gone through, uh, you know, working my way through uh, the ARP 12 steps, I, uh, I found that it's, addiction recovery is not about results. It's about, um, you know, recovery. <laughs> it's, a, it's about uh, the, the daily actions that you're going to be taking for the rest of your life. And uh, now that I'm no longer focused on this result of recovery uh, or of, of sobriety, I find myself understanding and being more willing to uh, put in the work and effort every single day that it takes to remain sober um, because I know that I'm focusing on doing recovery work rather than just focusing on that end result. That's so cool. Yeah, I love I love that insight of deep recovery versus sobriety. And it's a topic that I'd love to cover in future episodes on this show, just because I feel like so much of the time, sometimes even when I sponsor people, they, you know, they want to know, you know, what are what are the ways, how can I you know, get, get over this addiction. And I do think that there are ways, um, like filters, uh, you know, making sure that you have like checks and balances in your life and stuff like that to get sober. But I, I really do believe that the church's, um, the 12 step program, the ARP manual, it's, it's all about true recovery and lasting recovery. And there aren't like any like cheat codes in there where you can just read through it and like, Oh, this is like so easy. And maybe the spirit can like teach you those as well. But it's, it's so much about deep recovery. And I, I do think that there is a place for kind of these, like, I guess, shortcuts or, or I said cheat codes, but I mean, they're not really like that there. I, I do think that there are place, places for that, but I think that real recovery comes from taking each step and, and doing it and really applying it into your life and, and letting the atonement of Jesus Christ heal you. So, yeah, I completely agree. Well, that's great. Um, is there anything else that you want to share from your recovery? Uh, no, I think that's it. I think that basically covers everything I had hoped to share. Yeah, perfect. And I guess I, I have another question for you before we launch into our topic. Um, but how did it go when you talked to your bishop? Any of the times and all the times that you talked to your bishop, what was that experience like? That's a great question. I've actually come to be really, really close friends with our bishop um, through this experience. And uh, my wife feels the same way. Um, yeah, the first meeting with him, um, it was just so freeing to be able to confess everything that I had been doing. Um, and though it was painful because I knew I had to face reality, um, it, it really was freeing from the captivity of the secrecy of uh, my addiction, you know. So I, I really enjoyed that first meeting, being able to just confess everything and let it all out and, and work with him to develop kind of a game plan of how we would proceed in the future to help me obtain recovery. And uh, in, in following visits, it was really awesome to have him asking me questions about, you know, what revelation I had been receiving and, and what I felt God was telling me to do. You know, a, a huge thing that I've never really brought up um, to many people was I felt a huge prompting to do service and just as much service as I could get my hands on. So um, since I confessed eight months ago, I've, I've been, you know, constantly texting 
members of the ward asking, you know, what, what I can do to help out in their different auxiliaries and how I can um, help serve other people in the area and just looking for ways that I can be of service to others. Um, you know, that was something I felt prompted to do. So, you know, everybody's going to be prompted to do something different, but it was really great for me to be able to meet with a bishop and discuss those promptings that I had have and received uh, receive encouragement to continue acting on the promptings and continue seeking further promptings and revelation from God and how he wants me to recover. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I, I love that. For me, it was always so hard to really until I went to my bishop, it was always so hard for me to imagine like confessing to him and 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 talking, but I've I've had nothing but positive experiences meeting with my bishop and bishops. So that's awesome. So Jackson, I wanted to, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on the show today is because I feel like I've learned a lot from you about being self-aware as well as daily accountability. Um, specifically as your sponsor, um, I get texts from you every night where you tell me about your day. You give like an accountability kind of of your day. And something that you do that I feel like not many people do is you're able to tell me a little bit about like your emotions that day and like the negative emotions and the negative like factors in your day. And I feel like what I've seen from you, I don't know if this is how it actually is, but what I've seen is that it, it seems like you are able to find those negative influences in your day and correct them at the end of the day and then move forward from that. And I, I love that constant progression, constant growth. And I feel like for me, one of the biggest factors that leads to relapses for me is letting things build up, letting bad emotions build up, letting negative feelings, negative interactions. And I feel like you, from what I've seen, are, are just outstanding at being able to find those, correct them, and, uh, and move forward. So that, I think that's really impressive. And I, I really wanted to kind of talk about that just a little bit. So um, for me, in recovery, there are really two motivations that get people um, I guess in sobriety and recovery, there are two motivations. And I think the first one is an external motivation um, and external factors that that lead us to get clean. And I think for a lot of us, those are the first ones. I know for some of us, we have you know great experiences, either where we've hit rock bottom or you know where we just realize we want to change. But for me, initially in my recovery, it was my wife pushing me to attend meetings, to work through the steps, to meet with my bishop, to you know, to go and get a sponsor to get help. But I think true recovery comes from motivations that are internal. And I include in that yourself as well as God. And I think true recovery comes from that oftentimes because um, it's us being honest with ourselves and us being completely like aware and aware enough to know that, you know, we are not where we want to be and that we want to be at a different place. And I think that so much of failure and recovery comes from us not being honest with ourselves. And, and for me, that's me rationalizing and me lying to myself and me saying, you know, I, I don't want to tell my wife this because uh, it's going to hurt her or because, you know, something like that one, you know, that's, that's not me being like self-aware enough to recognize that, you know, I need to get out of this isolation and get help. And Anyways, the, the point of everything is just that I feel like being self-aware and being honest with yourself is where true recovery comes from. And I think that um, there's there's so much that we can learn from that. In, in the 12-step um, manual, it talks in step four about journaling. And I think journaling is a great way to become more self-aware. 
it's also like really key in being honest with yourself. And I feel like if you can always be aware and honest with yourself, you can find and correct the things that are, that are out of line. Um, and I've definitely seen that in like the, the text that I get from you. Also in step 10, it talks about um, if you feel worried, self-pitying, troubled, anxious, resentful, carnal-minded, or fearful in any way, and step 10 focuses on accountability, it says, turn immediately to the Father and allow him to replace these thoughts with peace. And for me in my recovery, I've talked about this before on the show, but I've been, when I pray to Heavenly Father and I ask him to replace those bad feelings that I just read off with peace, I feel like every time he has delivered. And the key there though, is me recognizing that I am having these bad feelings. So as one of the most self-aware individuals that I know, what, uh, what are your thoughts on being self-aware and, and being honest with yourself and, and being accountable? Well, first off, thank you. I, I definitely have struggled with uh, being self-aware in the past. So I appreciate hearing that you think I'm uh, doing well with it. Um, but yeah, you know what, I guess that's a good place to start. I haven't always felt like I've been self-aware. I think uh, like I alluded to earlier, my addiction is in large part fueled by um, avoidance of negative emotions, negative feelings. And I don't think I recognized that for years and years. So I, I, I would bury these negative emotions and try to deal with them uh, by, you know, partaking in, in an addiction. You know, that was my way of, of working through those emotions, I guess, avoiding them. And uh, I think it's only been in recent months that I've began learning how to even identify those emotions. And, and it's, it's come about in large part through um, texting you, you know, you mentioned journaling. It's kind of funny. I, I've, I've been doing a little bit of, you know, killing two birds with one stone and being accountable and kind of having my journal be our text thread, <laughs> uh, you know, and it's, it's been really helpful for me to, since my addiction is fueled by avoiding negative feelings, it's been helpful to me at the end of a day to really analyze what emotions I was feeling that day. Um, you know, what events happened throughout the day and what did they make me feel? Um, and, and that's been really helpful, especially because like you mentioned earlier, you feel like, uh, I believe you said you feel like your addiction sometimes uh, got worse as things kind of compounded as like, you know, feelings would just build up over time. I think you said something around those lines, but yeah. that's, that's definitely how it's been for me. Like I would feel some negative emotions and that would usually last over a couple of days and it would be at several days of um, negative emotions and negative feelings building up that would then kind of trigger that release um, of trying to deal with it through an addiction. So being able to text you every single day and being able to uh, recognize and correct my emotions every single day um, has been a really helpful and kind of easy way to stop my emotions from building up, which has helped to prevent relapses, you know, better than a lot of other things I've tried. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I would 100% agree. And I, I just feel like it's so helpful. And having, having had you do this so, um, consistently and so well, and I say consistently because you just had a baby and you've pretty much texted me every day since we started doing this. And I, I like, I applaud you for that. But since you've been doing this, I, I think I really have realized that 
you know, especially for someone, I feel like someone maybe even earlier in recovery than you, or maybe just starting in the program, I feel like journaling is so hard and not many of us do it well, but if you can make your text thread with a sponsor, a journal, I just think that's, you're being held accountable. And at the same time, you're, um, you know, you're journaling. And so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. In fact, I think that it's, you know, a great way to go. And so um, I, I think that's awesome that you do that. Yeah, thank you. And I'd, I'd definitely recommend as well, um, you know, having some kind of spiritual journal, you know, and I've, I've found at least um, personally, my scripture studies have been way more effective. Um, maybe not necessarily like uh, more powerful. You know, I was having lots of powerful experiences in the scriptures before I started writing things down. But since I've been writing things down, it's been more effective in helping change my character and change my life. Um, so I definitely recommend having a spiritual journal as well. But yeah, journaling your emotions and being accountable to a sponsor is so, so key. What does your daily accountability look like? Do you, I mean, do you just whip out your phone or your journal and like text, or do you have a, some sort of a process for reviewing your day? Yeah, that's a good question. You, uh, you mentioned that um, the two biggest internal factors are accountability to yourself and accountability to God and kind of awareness in both of those areas. Um, so for me, it starts with prayer. I try to pray pretty frequently throughout my day. Um, and, and I try to reconcile emotions throughout the day as I notice them. You know, if, if I become aware of an emotion in the middle of the day, I try to pray immediately and reconcile that emotion with God and seek his help in overcoming it um, right then and there. Um, but at the, at the end of every day, uh, before I text you, I kneel down and, and I try to say a, a vocal prayer. And I've found that as I do that, um, that helps me become aware of things that I may have missed or things that um, just were subconscious, you know, that prayer helps bring them to light. So then when I do text you, um, I've already had that discussion with God. He and I are both aware of and have acknowledged the emotions that I felt that day. And then it's, it's much easier for me to keep track of and report those to you. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I love the quote by President Nelson when he says that the Lord loves effort. And I, I just love that because what you're explaining there to me, I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me is sort of the effort that you put in. And maybe it's not, um, you know, it's not like four hours of scripture study or something like that, but it's like you have to kneel down and you have to pray and you have to recognize and deal with emotions as they come and I think that that really just stems from recognizing that if you put in effort, you're going to get sort of blessed for that. And you're also going to receive, it's like the, um, the law of the harvest, like you'll, you'll reap what you sow. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Is there anything else related to this topic of self-awareness that you would like to share? No, I would just strongly recommend to anyone out there who is struggling with an addiction to pornography or masturbation to get a sponsor. Um, For months, uh, when I very first started the program, I felt promptings, like specific promptings that I should look for a sponsor. And I'd go to these meetings and I'd say, hey, like I'm looking for a sponsor. And afterwards, people would like give me their numbers Um, but I, I would maybe reach out once and I'd never really commit to, you know, having them as my sponsor. 
and I, I ended up having a relapse and I feel like it is 100% because I was receiving a prompting that I wasn't acting on. And that prompting was to be accountable to a sponsor. So I would just recommend to anybody like get a sponsor, do whatever it takes um, to, to find yourself a sponsor. And uh, if you, if you're having a hard time finding somebody who's perfect for you, just like get a sponsor <laughs> knowing maybe that they're temporary, but just to have them. And then, you know, you can keep the search until you find somebody as perfect as a match as Matt has been for me. Um, but yeah, find a sponsor because accountability in, in this way, especially is so critical. Yeah, that's, that's great advice, man. I really appreciate you sharing that. And um, I think I, I agree with everything that you said a hundred percent. And um, I, I think that that's another area where you can just show effort and, show humility. So especially that was the biggest thing for me and not getting a sponsor. I just wasn't, I wasn't humble enough. And, and for me, same as you, I, it led to, I feel like I had a relapse as a direct result of not really choosing a sponsor. And, and uh, it's been, it's been a game changer for me. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, Jackson. I appreciate you uh, sharing your insights and your experience in recovery. And I appreciate you being willing to take time out of your busy schedule and, and your life to um, come on this show. And, and I know that people listening will appreciate your, your insights and your feedback and your um, experience. So I, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you. I really appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to use this as a medium to um, you know, share some of my story and share any insights that could potentially help others. Uh, my prayers go out to anybody who's struggling with an addiction and I'm confident that, uh, that anybody who directly applies um, both the atonement and the 12 step program can find recovery. So yeah, I just hope that anybody who's listening chooses to take those steps to, to begin moving down that path. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Jackson. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. Have a good one. Okay. See you, man. Thank you so much for listening. We would love for you to rate and review this podcast as well as share it with everyone you know. For information about the church's 12-step and support meetings, please visit arp.churchofjesuschrist.org. We encourage everyone to find a sponsor or support person. If you have any questions, feedback, are looking for a sponsor, or would like to be a sponsor, please contact us at sobrietypodcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for more guests. So if you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed, please contact us. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.